this is Liz. This is Heather. This week, we have another book club episode for you with our latest selection, The Final Empire, which is the first book in the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson. Spoilers. All right, hit that music. Welcome back to the Nerdy Bitches Book Club. It's been a while since we've had a book club. January or February, I think. Yeah, when we had our last Harry Potter ones, which will be the next one. We'll have a Harry Potter one. We do that. Mm -hmm. This one was recommended to us. Yes, it came out in 2006. Did it? Yeah, that's old. I didn't realize it. It felt very new and modern. Yeah. So, uh, again, this book was recommended to us by our friend Steve over at the Nerd Cantina podcast. So make sure you give them a a listen because they're a lot of fun. Steve and Ken. And uh, this book is The Final Empire, which is Mistborn number one, or it's the first in the Mistborn series. And it is by Brandon Sanderson. It's a long book. (laughs) So... It took a little while to get into for me, but I think that the payout was worth it. So I instead of us getting into the setting, because that is most of the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. I'm just going to read the synopsis of the setting. Okay, I have the synopsis of the story as well, so we can do both. Okay, this is the world that was being built in Mistborn. It's set in the dystopian world of Scadriel. I never knew how to pronounce that. I don't know that I ever even noticed that. Yeah. So ash constantly falls from the sky. All plants are brown and there's supernatural mists that cloak the landscape every night. So 1000 years before the start of the novel, the prophesied hero of ages ascended into godhood at the well of ascension in order to repel the deepness, a terror threatening the world whose true nature has since been lost to time. Though the deepness was successfully repelled and mankind saved, the world changed into its current form by the hero who took the title Lord Ruler and has ruled over the final empire for a thousand years as an immortal tyrant and god. Under his rule, society is stratified into nobility, believed to be the descendants of the friends and allies who helped him achieve godhood, and the brutally oppressed peasantry descended from those who opposed him known as the Ska. Magic is central to Mistborn. The most widely disciplined of this is called Allomancy. Users gain supernatural abilities by swallowing and burning specific metals. Allomantic potential is a genetic trait concentrated in the nobility, though Ska Allomancers also exist due to crossbreeding between nobility and the Ska. Normal Allomancers have access to one Allomantic power, but an incredibly rare subset called Mistborn have access to every power. So that's just the setting of the world from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Fancy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we would talk about this for hours to explain this. Days, <laughs> so, days. Because um, it's, um, and I think this was probably a good synopsis. Sorry, it took so long. It didn't take that long, did no, it? It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's kind of important, um, that burning of the specific metals. This is like burning a carb, right? You need some energy, <laughs> so you have some noodles, and you like burn it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's like that same thing, but you can feel like, oh, hey, I'm going to control it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not going to be like, hey, I'm going to specifically burn this ramen. <laughs> Dude, if I could, that would be amazing. I, I would, know. I'd like to specifically burn this particular belly fat and make that a thing. Like, yeah, it's like, bye-bye. I'm going to burn this cake. It might make me <laughs> moody, but I'll get a benefit <laughs> of this later. Uh, anyway, but there's different things. There's pewter makes you really, really strong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you burn pewter, it's just like physically burning pewter. It burns really fast and it goes away. Yeah. And like tin will sharpen all of your senses. You see better. So they have, you know, people they call like tin eyes that they use for for lookouts. And so yeah. we'll get into all of that. But let me yeah. do the synopsis of the actual story uh, rather than try to give you that because we'll just be talking through the whole thing. I'm going to read for you what is actually on the Libby app, which I have found is a little bit more in-depth than the usual one blurb on Amazon. So this is a, you know, if you want to find out if you need to read the book or not, this is what you read. For a thousand years, the ash fell and no flowers bloomed. For a thousand years, the Ska slaved in misery and lived in fear. For a thousand years, the Lord Ruler, the Sliver of Infinity reigned with absolute power and ultimate terror, divinely invincible. Then, when hope was so long lost that not even its memory remained, a terribly scarred, heartbroken, half-ska rediscovered it in the depths of the Lord Ruler's most hellish prison. Kelsier snapped and found in himself the powers of a mistborn. A brilliant thief and natural leader, he turned his talents to the ultimate caper, with the Lord Ruler himself as the mark. Kelsier recruited the underworld's elite, the smartest and most trustworthy allomancers, each of whom shares one of his many powers, and all of whom relish a high-stakes challenge. Only then does he reveal his ultimate dream, not just the greatest heist in history, but the downfall of the divine despot. But even with the best criminal crew ever assembled, Kel's plan looks more like the ultimate long shot until Luck brings a ragged girl named Vin into his life. Like him, she's half Scott, she's a half Scott orphan, but she's lived a much harsher life. Vin has learned to expect betrayal from everyone she meets and gotten it. She will have to learn to trust if Kel is to help her master powers of which she's never dreamed. The saga dares to ask the simple question, what if the hero of prophecy fails? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's a pretty good description of it. There's a lot of little side plots, but that is like the main theme that Mm -hmm. runs through the story. And we should probably point out that from this point on, there will absolutely be spoilers for this book. So if you haven't read it, pause, listen to it for 26 hours, and then pop back on. Yeah, I enjoyed the audiobook version of this. I did as well. So, but, you know, there's some words that are kind of hard to pronounce. So I that's why I like the audiobook. But I don't remember the name of the earth. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, because you first uh, you hear of Kelsier, but you don't realize that it's Kelsier you're hearing about mm-hmm. at the beginning, because he's kind of a whisper. He leads ska rebellions. And um or he, he makes trouble, is what he does. He does, he the, makes trouble. The Ska are so hopeless, and they are so beaten down, and literally beaten, uh, probably daily, that they just mm-hmm. do their thing and go back to life, as you do just to try to survive. Like, it, it starts out, and he's on this Ska plantation, but we don't know it's him. It's just, it's just describing what's happening. 
And then he goes into the houses at the end of the day to kind of find out what's going on and try to sow, sow some seeds of doubt or hope, I guess. And then he finds out the Lord, I guess, of the land, uh, the Lord of the manor, is taking the Ska girl... Uh, who he will basically rape until he has to kill her. Because the law of the land is, as a nobility, you can fuck a ska, but then you have to murder them so that they can't have children. Yeah, that's, uh, that <laughs> sounds... Like, wow, that's harsh. That sounds legit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so right away, you get the impression about this harsh uh, treatment. And you also see their defeat, right? That they just... You feel it. It's like yeah, oppressive. they do. A, yeah, they do a really good job of kind of building this world. And, you know, when Kelsier initially goes in and um, he to start trouble, he actually made it so they didn't really have a choice. Right. <laughs> he burned he down just, the manor. <laughs> he burned down the manor. And he's like, you guys are rebels now. So right. you either have to. <laughs> you better start um, running before somebody shows up. <laughs> exactly. You know, he had his different methods. Mm-hmm. But then we uh, kind of jumped to Ska. Uh, ska. We jumped to Vin, mm-hmm. and she's like in a Ska crew that swindles people. Yeah, it's it's a thieving crew. Yeah. And she is able to kind of push a little bit of influence. Luck. And she does. Yeah. yeah, she calls it luck. And she doesn't know like the cause of it or anything like that. She tries to make people more amenable to the con. Mm-hmm. And it seems to work. And that's what makes her valuable. But during which, you know, she's still treated like shit, in, even in the crew. Right. And she's beaten consistently. She's told she's terrible. That they should just kill her or send her to the horror master or whatever. Because, yeah. you know, basically this lowest class, this kind of untouchable society here. Again, if you're a woman, your job is whore. Mm-hmm. You know, or yeah. working in the, the Lord's house and that kind of thing. But uh, Vin is also only 14 years old. She's scrawny and scrappy. And she had been basically raised by her brother, whose name I've now forgotten, which is ridiculous because she says it through the whole book, but it wasn't that important. So because he's not around. Uh, he basically has taught her not to trust anyone, that everyone will betray you. And she believes that even he did because he left her. He he leaves her there. Yeah. Um, and he didn't treat her nice either. No, no. You know, when she's telling stories of it, it's like the life in the thieving crew was just like life with her brother. Still, you know, demeaned and just used. Yeah. There's some point late in the book where she's having a conversation with Marsh, who is Kelsier's brother. We'll see him come in in a little bit. But she's having a conversation with him. Like, what was it like growing up with Kelsier as a brother? Did he beat you? Did you beat him? Like, the other kind of thing. Like, how did that work? And he's like, um, no. Like, that's, yeah. not, that's not how families actually work. You know, she has no concept that this is not absolutely how things are. And I think that's really indicative of just the ska in general. It is not remotely unexpected if they just get a beat down on the street from some passing noble for no reason. So yeah, eventually into the book, we learned that Kelsey is trying to kind of upend this class system that's been created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where Kelsey hears word of this low level lady on a thieving crew that has the ability to kind of push uh, and influence people. Yeah, I think one of the one of his crew was, I guess, in a building when she was nearby. 
and he felt her use the allomancy, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't 100% sure. So they kind of follow her, like stalk her a little bit just to see, you know, what it is. And the guy that she's initially in the crew with, I don't remember his name is either because it doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) He either knows that she has some sort of power or he at least realizes that she's some sort of a, like things just go better when she's around. I think he probably knew, but he didn't, you know, 100% know. Mm Um, He wasn't nice to her about it either. Uh, But he would take her along to these, you know, things where he's trying to pretend to be a nobleman and take out credit and get all this money and haha, we're going to get this contract to run boats up the river for supplies. And then we're just going to rob all the supplies and won't it be great? Ha 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 ha. And uh, they go in and they're talking to, what are they called? You know, like the priest guys. Oh, yeah. Is it Inquisitor? It's not Inquisitor. The Inquisitors are the higher level, aren't they? Yeah. Her dad is an Inquisitor. She knows that. Yeah. Um, Because her mom was, I'm assuming, some sort of a ska whore or whatever. Yeah. But I think she had at least one, possibly two children with this guy, and he didn't kill her, which he was supposed to have done, which is how, you know, she had multiple children with him. And that's where we talked about the Mistborns and, you know, this alimentic power is supposed to come from nobility. So Ska aren't supposed to have it. And if they do have it, they usually try to downplay it and not let people know they have it because they'll probably get killed. Yeah. So the Steel Inquisitors are the ones that are just basically uh, super alimentic and they're like the... um dark guards they just take they're really powerful mm-hmm. um which is the ones that have like thorns coming out of their eyeballs of metal, metal spikes yes yeah. those are like the um in lord of the rings those like the nazgul yes the ring wraiths yes yes so they sound intimidating from the get-go and yeah. they just have no apparent emotion or cares and they are very very powerful so Anyway, that's the ones that I was thinking of. But then... Um, but there's a lower level that's like... Yeah, like a lawyer. Yeah, basically. They're like the lawyers and the priests. They wander around the parties and make sure nobody's doing very bad things. Or And then people like, the yeah, you pay them to witness legal transactions. So mm-hmm. they're like notaries. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I forgot what the names of them are, but they are like... They're influential enough, but they're royalty adjacent. They're they're kind of that bureaucrat, you know, but yeah. they they get the respect. And of course, obviously, all the ska are terrified of them because they don't want to get, you know, publicly beheaded because they tend to do that just like on yeah. a Tuesday. Yeah, they enforce the law and uh, witnesses. So they're kind of like barristers. And- yeah, so that's that's basically what this is. When Vin's crew, you know, tries to go undercover and go in there, they've basically gone to like the city hall and they're requesting this contract, you know, as like a, a low level nobleman who's going to lose all his stuff and he really needs a contract. And that's the thing, like, they, that's what they do. They're like, hey, my family's going to go to shit if you don't give me this contract. And they're like, okay, we'll give it to you. And then we'll come take it back from you later and steal all your stuff. The steel ministry, 
is maybe that's what they are. The steel steel inquisitors, yeah. obligators. Okay, Thank obligators. You. Sorry, I had a. Oh my look god, it up. I it just was such a weird word because like obligate is a completely different type of word, mm-hmm. and so that's why I was thinking of barristers or lawyers or something. Yeah, but, but yes, again, obligators. it's that yeah. that thing. So they wander around. It's the weird bureaucrat that's always there. You know, it's like the Percy Weasleys of the world. You know, they just yeah, just kind of wandering around telling people that they are you know breaking some sort of rule and uh, yeah. And they're jerks, too. Yeah, they are jerks. They're high enough level that they can tell when Allomancy is being used on them. Yeah. And that's how they actually figured out that Vin was using that to try and calm people down. But she didn't realize that's what she was doing. Mm -hmm. That actually kind of put a a target on her head, which is how Kelsier ended up hearing about it. And uh, he went and visited her. Yeah. He leads the Steel Inquisitor that has got her scent and is now chasing her like a bloodhound. He's somehow led him astray and whatever, and he's hoping that the guy will just, like, peter out and get bored. Apparently that turns out not to be a thing. But he goes to where her crew is because she's decided she's leaving, right? As soon as they've done this, she is scared to death because she is figuring that the obligators are on to them. They are going to get murdered. The whole crew will be killed. And she's just done. She doesn't want to be there anymore. So she goes and she asks her one friend in this crew, would you come with me or, you know, let's let's get out of here. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's do that. Go get your stuff. And so she goes and gets her stuff and she comes back and that guy has already squealed like to the boss. And so he just beats the shit out of her until Kelsier shows up. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty brutal, that beating in particular. So Kelsier chats with her, confirms whether she's a Mistborn or not, and then tells him, you know, you have a place for us on my crew. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's ridiculous. She's like, because but how he- many beatings a day? <laughs> yeah. He's like, um, we don't do that here. She's like, I don't understand. Like, Exactly. So he beat the shit out of, or, you know, he got rid of the rest of the people that were in the area, right? Mm-hmm. The crew. And took their money. Yeah, took over their safe house, at least for the night. Yeah, so but he took all their money, too. And he's mm-hmm. like, look, just come and help me out, and I will give you all of this money that, you know, normally would have been split up between the... Yeah, it gives her what's like 30 boxings or something, and she's yeah. like, this is enough to feed her for like a month. So she was, she's like, okay, so she, she does go with them, and you know, at this point, she does know that what she was using was not just luck, and mm-hmm. that he kind of taught her that there was more out there. So the next day when they went to go with the rest of the crew, she was immediately struck by, why are you not treating me like shit? Right. And <laughs> and she's still skulking around. And they're like, you can just go to the kitchen. Like, you should go get some food. You can go take yeah. a bath. Like, there's a bathroom down at the hall. No one's going to barge in and rape you. Like, this is this just not a thing. And, and there's... He never comes out and says that that has happened to her. But it is alluded to several times. Yeah. That the only reason it didn't happen earlier and because her brother was there to protect her, even though he was also pretty cruel to her. But it does sound like that's probably happened because she's super yeah. skittish. And she keeps stealing food to keep later. And she's like, I put half of the bread in my pocket so that I could have right, it for they're later. Like, we'll have more bread later. Like, yeah. but I, And that's the thing. When you've had nothing and you know star- like true starvation and hunger and poverty just to the point of, how are you surviving? You don't expect it to continue to be there. You know, it it takes a really long time to break that that cycle and that habit of 
well, I have to take everything I can while I can because it'll it'll be gone. Yeah. She was like, why are you treating me like a normal person? Like, why are you treating me not like Scott? So she didn't even think that she deserved to be treated better at this point. No, no. Well, and, and again, she's always... I would say right up to the end of this book, she's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like it just, she's always got one foot kind of out the door, ready to scamper off. Because And she's, again, she's skulking around. They're like, you can just come in and listen. Like, <laughs> we're, it's fine. Come on. You know, so that's, that's a little heartbreaking to, to really read and feel that desperation and, yeah. And just lack of trust. Yeah. She doesn't have any, she doesn't understand what is happening. But it's kind of like at this point, this crew is a family. Mm -hmm. They've worked with each other for years. They all have back and forth, you know, they're, they have fun together. They're in a giant manor house. Oh, it's a shop. Remember? Well, later they get the manor house, but at, at the, at the beginning, they you know they go into this one guy's shop. He's a ska merchant, and he like sells and builds furniture or something. So the front for this you know safe house that they have is is this furniture business, and that's you know that's where they start. That's where they do all their meetings and their their planning and whatever. And then once Vin agrees to be on the crew, and he, she's gonna oh she's gonna let Kelsey or train her how to be a proper mistborn, like how to use her powers effectively. And she's just like a natural at it. Like everybody, yeah. everybody else has to work and learn. And, you know, she just kind of gets it and picks it up pretty quickly. And then they would, is this when they run out of town? They like run to that other city or something? Or they hop? They use the, the coins to trail themselves to another town. And he's got like a big ass manor house that's clean. Yeah. There's no ash. Their dresses yeah. are clean. It's like they they spend uh, he spends a very very lot of time in this book telling you just how dirty things are. Yeah, and you know it's part of the background to the story that you know the setting is that there's ash falling all the time. So there's the supernatural mist, and then there's ash. So it's makes for a very dirty world mm-hmm. um, that's falling from the sky. And when they're talking about like. When it's daytime outside, it's like orange, you know, like it is around like a fire. Um, And it just sounds miserable, like just this miserable dead world. Yeah. Eventually, they hear what the ultimate goal is. And that's that this crew is together to overthrow the nobility. They they were going to rob the Lord Emperor's treasury and steal their ATM, which is like, I guess they're version of platinum or something like it's just the the most expensive thing and it's what everyone builds their wealth around and most most people don't even have more than you know a few like filings of this and it's you know there you can only find it in the pits of Hathsin, which are basically where they send people to prison mine this stuff and you don't die if you find some yeah so they start talking about this and then they bring in the current leader of the Ska Rebellion, which you can tell why the Ska Rebellion never gets anywhere, because this guy's a weenie. Like, he's just, you could just see him, like, kind of being weird and simpering and just kind of, well, we're paying you money to do this because they want to build an army. They yeah. want to build an army so that they can take over the ATM or seal the ATM so that they can fund their rebellion. But again, his thing is like, so in a thousand more years, we'll get an actual rebellion. He has no idea or it it doesn't even really cross his mind that 
that's a thing that could happen now currently. It's a, it's one of those, this is for our children's children, children. And, and Kelsey's like, actually, no, we're going to do it uh, in a year, next year. We're going to train the army because they actually need to be trained and well-fed and whatever else. And, uh, oh, and by the way, we're not just going to steal the treasury. We're actually going to overthrow the Lord Ruler and all the nobility. Yeah. So, and they're all like, uh, what? Because yeah. the Lord Ruler has been around for over a thousand years, and he has set himself up as this immortal god, basically. And they're like, you can't kill God. Like, that doesn't even make sense. He's like, watch me. Like, <laughs> we're going to make it happen. And they're like... Yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. But this crew's kind of cool. And they feed us. So I guess we'll do that. Kelsier did say, hey, the goal is the ATM. I'll take care of the Lord Ruler. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, so he was he wasn't trying to obligate them to all kill the Lord Ruler. They were just like, you're just gonna get rich. And then I'm gonna be able to benefit by killing the Lord Ruler. And so they didn't. They finally were like, okay, fine. I know they're like, sure, we'll just do this part. And uh, yeah, yeah, you go ahead with that, you lunatic. But they all like him and he's very charismatic. He is a natural leader. And he was like that before he went to the Piss of Hassan, which is, as I mentioned in the summary, where he snapped. Now, nobody seems to be naturally just born with this elementic power. They have to snap, which is when their powers kind of come into being. So whatever it is. Something causes it, yeah. Yeah, his was his wife being murdered in the pits of Hathson. And he's the only one who ever escaped. And he's got all these scars, like, on his arms from crawling out of this craggy mine hole. Yeah, that element is, like, sharp like razors and everybody touches yeah. it gets cut and you know and and that's the thing is everyone has heard of this survivor the survivor of half sin like nobody ever has ever escaped from it in the history of anything he's the only one so it's be- and he and again what he was doing at the different plantations was also dropping that hint like they mm-hmm. would see the scars on his arms so like oh maybe he's the survivor of half sin oh maybe do and he so he's he's dropping this little rumor and whisper among the different ska communities because they trade them back and forth as you do with slaves apparently all the time and so they you know it just the message starts to grow that the survivor has come or the survivor is here and it and it starts to build you know again he's he's doing things he's robin hooding it right so he's robbing nobility houses like every night he breaks in steals whatever they have looking for atm and just takes what they have like he'll steal a whole safe and just jump out a window with it because he's got these powers that help him bounce around and and so then he like redistributes this one they take what they need to to build the army but he's kind of redistributing it out so that people are like, oh, the survivor has come. And it becomes this almost cult-like worship yeah. of him. Yeah. And it's like, what? how much of it is true and how much of it is rumors? Mm-hmm. He greatly influenced his lore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, you start to see that build and build and build uh, throughout the book. You know, if you just read a chapter, you wouldn't get that. Right. Brandon Sanderson does a really good job of building the world, which is why it took so long kind of to get into it. Mm-hmm. But it starts to click for you and you start to read it and you start to see what's going on. So it becomes so much more than a heist 
book. Right. And, you know, I like heists. So I mean, I, I really enjoyed the heist part of it. Well, and, and again, the, the combination of the people that he has on the crew, you know, he basically has other elementers who have, you know, different abilities. So like I said, they've got one guy who's the 10 eye. So he's the lookout or they've got a bunch of them, but he's like the, the mm-hmm. main one. And then yeah, the smoker hides the elementic power so that nobody can tell they're it's being used on them. So they have yeah. all these different, very specific, you know, they've got this guy, Ham, and I don't remember if he actually had any powers, but he had military background. So he was off training the army. Yeah, he burns pewter. He's a pewter arm. Okay, that's right. So he was he was a he was a thug. That's what he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they call the pewter burners is their thugs because they just have this massive show of strength and power for a very short period of time, depending on how mm-hmm. much you take in. And that's the other thing, like how they get the metals to burn is they drink them. You have to get the right elementic versions of these different metals, because if they have too many impurities in them, or they're crappily made, or somebody sells you bogus shit, it can kill you. You're also not supposed to sleep with it in your stomach, because that could that could kill you. So you have to burn everything out. And then um, nobody is supposed to ta- be able to take metal that is in your body. So if you've swallowed it, they can't influence that because, again, you're influencing by these metals. So if if they want to bounce around and jump from, from roof to roof, they have to throw a metal coin and then they bounce off that coin. And so they just continue to do that. They can pull the coin back up to them. So they just are able to and, – and nobody in this society wears metal. They all – everything's wood or plastic or whatever their version thereof, uh, except the Lord Ruler. The Lord Ruler and the Steel Inquisitors all wear metal to basically show people that they're not afraid of the Mistborn or whatever. Like, nobody's going to come after them. They just, they're so high, nobody could touch them. So, of course, they wear metal. The way that they're able to manipulate metal and how you start to learning, oh, okay, so they're burning copper now, so they're doing this, and how you start to learn what uh, each of the individual metals does. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like... You know, when you look at metal and you can put iron shavings down and you can see the lines of magnetism that can mm-hmm. go out to them, it sounds like they're able to draw on that and bounce in those particular ways. There's a lot of physics involved in it, too, because they were like, well, you need to find a right ratio because if you pull on something that is three times your size, it will smash you. Right. And if you try and um, grab something that is too light, it will not be able to support you when you try and bounce off it. So it sounds like it's a nice little balancing act that they really try and get expertise on and try and and balance. And Vin just comes at it very naturally. Uh, In fact, they said that she didn't recall any time ever snapping um, like all of the rest of them did because she had just trauma her entire life. They don't know when the snap actually occurred. And they think that she was naturally burning pewter. Um that she got from cups of water and cups of beer and stuff. And it was in her system and she would burn the pewter to survive the beatings. Yeah. Yeah. And just trace metals that are in food and water uh, were enough for her to have a low level of influence. And that's why she doesn't know what she's doing because it's so kind of an innate thing that happens. Like she doesn't know she's doing it. She doesn't know. And so he's teaching her how to control it. And now, and, and all of that was just, I mean, it's very long and it's very descriptive, but it is very fascinating too, because mm-hmm. like you said, it does talk a lot about physics. This this whole book is a very nice mix of like history, magic, and science. Like you can yeah. have all of the things, 
they just have to be in their proper places and proportions. All of that we just talked about would be condensed into a, a montage in the movie. <laughs> bounce, the, bounce. It was, it's, right, exactly. Yeah, it's the training montage, you know, the end of it, she's going to be all tough and whatnot. <laughs> she's got Eye of the Tiger in the background, exactly. boxing. Yeah. How about we go ahead and take a break? And when we get back, we'll get right back to the book. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. Brian here, host of the Bright Five Podcast. And if you're looking for a podcast that reviews comic books, talks about nifty nerd news, and sometimes has interruptions from his wife or son, then look no further than the Bright Five Podcast. New episodes are updated every Monday, and if you want bonus content, you can sign up for Patreon for as little as $1 a month, where you get extra episodes, videos, and more behind the scenes of the BriFi Podcast. So don't go another day without the BriFi Podcast in your life. Head over to BriFiPodcast.podbean.com and enlist in the Fighter Squadron today. Did you ever go on vacation with your family and hope the dance instructor would fall in love with you? No, but I did think a guy with a giant boombox playing Peter Gabriel outside my window in the middle of the night meant true and undying love. Listen to our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, where we revisit these movies and it turns out they weren't the best ideas. What were you thinking? You can find our podcast, Happily Ever Aftermath, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. You can also tweet at us at H-E-A-M-C-A-S-T, Hemecast. And we're back. So Ven keeps wondering, what's my part in this? Why am I here other than the fact that I'm a misborn? Like, what do they want me to do? What do they expect me to do? Because she can be any of those things that they found out. Because they said, you either have one power or you have them all. So, you know, that's the thing. Like, none of the other Alamancers have multiple powers. If you have more than one, you are a Mistborn. And you just have to learn how to bring out and and train the others. Um, Because some of them are more innate than others. So that's, you know, that's why they like, they're like, well, you know, you're, you're soothing, which is what she was doing at the obligator's office, soothing his emotions, basically, to make him more pliable, I guess. Uh, mentally. And then, you know, she burns the pewter in order to uh, burns the pewter in order to, like you said, survive the beatings and be, be a little bit stronger. She doesn't know she's doing it. But they said, because you can do two, you can do all of them. Let's see how this goes. And he just gives her a vial of stuff. He's like, now burn this one. Now look for this one. Look for this one. And it's, it's really interesting trying to figure out how would you even go about doing that? If somebody came up to you and said, burn your copper, you'd be like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. again burn those yeah. carbs that'd be amazing <laughs> i know it'd be awesome look at all this pasta yeah so she does a very good job at um just being able to do this naturally and kelsey is quite taken with that because it wasn't as natural for him no he had to really work at it and the guy yeah. that was training him would like let him fall off the roof <laughs> like he just yeah didn't care the there's not a lot of mistborn and there's definitely hardly any ska mistborn yeah, because again, they're they're supposed to not exist because the women are supposed to be killed and they're not allowed to have babies. So there are most of the misborn are nobility and the nobles hire misborns to like protect them. 
So that's their security guard, basically. Uh, the different, you know, the mistborns or the mistings, whatever they call them. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, like when they start breaking into these noble keeps in order to steal from them, they're fighting off other mistborn or they're having to sneak around them or or whatever it is. So, yeah. But they and also wear those mist cloaks and people just automatically know this is a dangerous person. Stay away from them. So they don't look too closely. But they also know that it's probably nobility. So you can't go, right. please, uh, you just you just don't fuck with the nobles. So they just do whatever they want. And even other nobles, like there's a ranking order there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we actually start learning that uh, when Vin gets her assignment. And that's actually that they are going to impersonate a noble house mm-hmm. from uh, BFE, right? Yeah. So basically somebody who's... They're noble, but they're not remotely cultured. They don't have any connections. They're trying to come to these different balls that they seem to have on a weekly basis or possibly even a daily basis. It sounds like sometimes she was going to like two or three of these balls a week. Um, But basically they, you know, they get in there and these are the like the kids. This like debutante balls basically, but like every day. And they're building their own like political alliances and their families have alliances with each other. And that's how they keep from getting, you know, wiped out or whatever. Uh, so her job is to go in and play Valette Renu was mm-hmm. her, was her fake name. And she is the uncle or her uncle is Lord Renu, who is again, from the sticks, but he's still noble. So he has a nice house, but not as nice as other people's and that kind of thing. So she goes to live in this clean manor house that is huge. And she gets a terraceman. So I would assume this is basically like a valet or a, you know, a footman or something who cal- who is helping her with culture. Now the terracemen are like walking encyclopedias they know everything. They remember everything they've ever seen, touched, heard, read, whatever. And so he's he's trying to teach her, because again, she's a street rat, you know, if you think about it. Like she, that's all she knows. She doesn't know how to be a lady. She doesn't know how to even wear the clothes or walk in the shoes or or have even clean hair, you know, like that's just not a thing that you worry about when you're, you know, living on the streets. Yeah. So he basically teaches her all of these things. And he's also kind of her chaperone because she's only 14 she's like 14 years old or maybe 15 but so he chaperones her to these balls so she is not unattended and they are both you know gathering information that's the point of the infiltration is so that they can find out which houses are vulnerable to undermining and basically making them collapse in on themselves or you know kind of Yeah, like starting a war between the nobility. That's what they want. They want that distraction, the nobles fighting each other so that they're not really paying attention to what's going over here, but then also eliminating a lot of, you know, things that you'll have to deal with later. So get the weak houses out, get the strong houses to fight each other. And a lot of this is done at court, as they call it. And, you know, so she's wandering around trying to find information, but nobody's talking about about anything around her yet because she's new and she's a bumpkin and you know everyone just and that's kind of the nice thing about planning it that way is one nobody's going to be able to trace their family or their connections very well 
And two, she doesn't have to be like a perfect lady because she, again, she's she's a little little yeah. bit country, and so she doesn't know all of the things, and so she can make the faux pas other people would not be able to. And as she's wandering through her first ball at Keep Venture, she runs into the heir of this house, Ellen Venture, who is like sitting in a nook reading books. Like, yes, not paying attention to any of it, not having any interest. He is rumpled. He does not look like the son of the most powerful house. Like, just, he's kind of an asshole, too. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the immediate impression you get of Ellen is that he uh, could give a shit about all of the pomp and circumstance of the balls, and, and he finds everything fake. And, you know, that's a really convenient place to come from when somebody that is already benefiting immensely from the nobility. Right. And... Um, he was in the most powerful house, so he didn't have, you know, any competition. So you can find that stuff bullshit. But, you know, people in the lower levels, like um, uh, Renault, you know, they have to do politicking and things to get to gain influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with Ellen in the fact that the whole idea is bullshit, but, you know, he's never actually had to work a day in his life or, or do anything. And most of his stuff is just to piss off his dad for no apparent reason other than, it's um, fun, yeah. You know, he says it's because of this, uh, you know, underground reading he's been doing. He doesn't share that right away, but it does come out that that he's or she she takes peeks at some of his books that he has because he and the subsequent balls he basically finds her and sits at her table reading books and ignores her to annoy her. I think. And to um, annoy his dad because he doesn't yeah. want his wants his dad to know that he's going to be like slumming it. You well, know. and the thing is, like, obviously, nobody knows she's a ska, and everyone, you know, so they're talking about the ska like they're, you know, vermin or whatever. He is very interested in the ska, like, naturally curious. Not that he's probably treating them much better than anyone else is, but he's very curious about them as a people. Are they like us? Are they intelligent? Like, they they have such a separation between the nobility and the ska that they don't even realize they're the same species. You know what I mean? Like they just don't. Yeah. It's the understanding of it is like, like asking if a cat is smart. You know what I mean? Like that's the, yeah. that's the feeling I got anyway, that they, they're just so far removed from anything on that level that they just can't even understand. So yeah. Yeah, they do. They think they're like a completely different species and are, are they capable of humor and stuff? Like, that right. Seems- do they laugh? Do they, you know, whatever. And she's like, uh, yeah, they're people. Like, what are you talking about? Because she's, she's like, oh, I've had, you know, I saw the plantation scars or, you know, whatever it was. And were they treated, were they treated well or whatever? And he and his pseudo intellectual friends like to go off during these balls and drink bourbon and smoke cigarettes or, or cigars and, you know, that kind of yeah and then have philosophical debates about what they will do when they become the lords of their house and how benevolent they will be yeah which you know is a load of bullshit because you know it's going to be the same thing that their parents did Mm -hmm. and their parents and then you know everything is just going to toe the line but that's what you do when you have that level of privilege is you just sit around and talk about how you the great white hero is going to and i don't know if they're white but But yeah, so they they sneak off and they do this. And, you know, she's starting to get a lot of attention in the court because 
she's hanging out with Ellen, even though she kind of doesn't like him at the beginning because he's annoying. And he's keeping all of the other potential suitors away. And she doesn't care about anybody trying to court her. She is trying to get, again, gain information so she can take back to Kelsier and the crew. Yeah, And uh, it's not working because, again, Ellen is at her table with a bunch of books. And then, <laughs> then she goes around and spreads a rumor that he's like a brother to me. He's been just telling me how to do this. <laughs> They're like, oh, brother. All right, cool. And he's like, I'm like your brother? Because <laughs> he likes her. Yeah. Or he realizes he likes her at he, some point. Yeah, he gets intrigued by her, you know. So, yeah, you have a tough time feeling at where Ellen is. And, like, even as she talks to Kelsey or stuff about it, he's like, look... They may, you know, they may rebel and read some old uh, philosophy from the Illegal old things, books, but, too. Yeah, but they they don't give a shit. I promise you. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got a very hard line on the nobility. He's like, they are all bad. They are all evil. They must all die. And he doesn't have any qualms about killing them either. Yeah, no. And in fact, it really irritates his brother, Marsh, who we uh, meet a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably met him by now. We met him up front. And they, they found out that Marsh is, well, he and Marsh don't get along that well. I think Marsh may have had a thing for Kelsier's wife. Uh, and then she died and stuff. So I don't think he's ever forgiven him for that. It was kind of the, the gist of the conversation later. But um, she, yeah. he, uh, they, they've asked him to infiltrate the ministry, the SEAL ministry, and... To do that, he's going to become a steel inquisitor. But we don't know that yet. We just think he's going to become an obligator, right? Yeah. So he's in there and he's like slipping them secret notes in a hollowed out table leg to this furniture store, which I thought was incredibly clever. Yeah. So, you know, Marsh is a really good person. Like he's very, he's very kind. Um, He's, he's pretty gentle for the most part. What was his power seeker he can figure out who other elementers are okay, and i think yeah. that that's how they actually figured out um who she well no because he and marsh hadn't spoken until after that uh i don't know i don't know i need like a flow chart yeah so but he used to be a member of the ska rebellion he was the leader of it yeah he completely lost any hope this is before the book he mm-hmm. and he lost all of his belief that any change could actually happen he's just gave up um and so kelsier had to kind of bring him back obviously they had fight they were you know not uh they were estranged by that point but he he knew that marsh believed in the cause he just gave up on the cause so Mm -hmm. but marsh was cool and he was he he was a good guy yeah marsh was a really good guy but he's also in danger and a lot of danger of being caught and exposed and murdered. And if he's caught and exposed and murdered, all of them will be, and they would probably behead all of the ska just because. Um, so again, his, his precarious, his position is probably the most precarious and he has to be very, very careful. And, you know, they go on and they're doing this and they're doing this over the course of, you know, a year or whatever. So I don't know, a good couple months into this, at least, they're getting a note from Marsh that gives them the, because what they've, what they've discovered is that the ministry has soothing stations all around town, hidden. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows about them. So they have a soother that is there either calming, basically making the ska like docile and, and depressed yeah. and all of that kind of stuff, or inciting them so that they can get into trouble or doing whatever. So, um, yeah, yeah. If they, if they want to, um, kill some ska, they just make them mad 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have them attack and, something or just yeah, be and they give them justification for it. It's pretty messed up. It, it is. It's really messed up. And and it's one of those things that like the Ska are never going to be able to have hope and rebel if this is still happening. So one of the things that Marsh sneaks out to them is the location of all of these soothing stations so that they can go and take them out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, you know, they're doing recon and stuff. And so when they are supposed to have their second meeting with Marsh, that is when they basically show up and find him is dead dead yeah like super super dead like in lots of yeah. pieces and all this so they are just mortified that this yeah. is that this has happened this is terrible this is kelsey's brother but he's also a member of the crew and if he was found out does that mean they know about us or whatever um yeah whatever's they- happened yeah, it's it was it was pretty uh it was pretty scary cuz mm-hmm. yeah, we don't we don't know what that means. Cuz you know, in the meantime, we are still building an army yeah. that is out, you know, in secret um, in caves, in caves and quite a ways away. Um because uh you know, we can't let we can't let them out and we can't make it very noticeable that um there's a bunch of ska just hanging out <laughs> in a cave as you do. Yeah. Yeah, so um it's a, uh, you know, it it compromises the whole thing, and they don't know what they if they got anything from Marsh. He assumes not, but you know, you never know. Um, so they're on they're on edge for a good long while, and you know, she's being yeah. extra careful at the balls to not say anything or let anything slip, but you know, also trying to get as much information as she can. But like you said earlier, she's starting to realize that maybe they're not all so bad like kelsier mm-hmm. seems to think maybe they're just people doing what they do like the ska are people doing what they do and they've been bred into this position and they just don't know any better and you know but they're not you know they're nice and it's and then she starts to kind of like wearing the dresses and feeling pretty and you know having having that kind of lifestyle as you would i'm sure um even though she was so uncomfortable with it to begin with, she she got to really like it. Um and she got to really like Ellen as well. Like she started to really have genuine genuine concern yeah. and genuine feelings for her. Yeah. Until that that bitchy girl starts to Yeah. That's kind of a side thing. And uh, they're all side. Yeah. There's so much of it is side things. There's there's a lot of side things. So we're trying not to like go into them, you know. <laughs> right. Um <laughs> because there there is a lot of uh different things. The the army though did get found out well the army outed themselves because they uh you know they were doing really well kelsier went to visit them and gave them all hope and they were doing really well and he like promoted some guy who other ones were trying to bully and they made him feel like stronger than he was or whatever and you know so they leave and he's like oh kelsier he's our hero that's amazing and so they 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 but they leave that little weenie guy the who's the head yeah. of the ska rebellion they leave him there in charge of the army because ham needs to go back and work on other stuff with them and then they find out that this guy has decided based on you know kelsier kind of fixing this contest so this other guy looks so strong that they're they're ready. They're ready to go show their power and might. So they go to like the next town over and attack the garrison and are obliterated. Yeah. Just like 
was, yeah, was there's several thousand yeah. people or so. I mean, it was a lot of people. So their army, I mean, not everybody went. Some people stayed, but. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it decimated it. So they were yeah. down to, you know, just a fraction yeah. of what, uh, of what they used to be. And Kelsier and Vin, you know, used a bunch of pewter to run there to try and save them. And they realized they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And it was very devastating. So this was a really hard part of the book uh, to read because you lost, we lost so much ska. Yeah. And then it became even worse when they returned to town and they saw that uh, the Lord Ruler had said, hey, asshole Scars, I'm going to just kill all of these free yeah. Scars because like- they must have been part of it, too. It was like, oh, and, and even they're like, no, that we're just showing you because we can. So yeah. you're not going to get uppity again on us. We are just going to murder you in the public square. Mm-hmm. That's not sounding yeah. familiar and they, at all. And they just murdered people without having any affiliation with it. They were just like, yeah, we're just going to like show the you. the fountains are running red. There's just blood everywhere. Everybody's dead. And uh, But luckily, somebody talked Kelsier down right about this time. Yeah, because he was um, ready to just roll out there yeah. and attack, which... Yeah, it was don't. another Ska, and he'd actually said, I don't think you understand, though. We took out a garrison. Yeah, that's more than's been done in a thousand years. Build on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You gave us hope. We have hope now, and we have more than we ever did before. So it, it helped him kind of go back to the plan and do a little more planning. Yeah. Um, But really... You know, at the end of the day, this is basically the end. They're just fast tracking the heist yeah. slash overthrowing. Yeah, they're the like, we need to speed this along. We don't, we can't count on an army anymore, so we have to figure out how to get the actual ska to you know to get up in arms. And so again, they start you know bringing people into their cause and bringing you know building and continuing to build this rumor of the the survivor of Hassan, but then actually bringing him out you know they were actually bringing kelsier out and saying i am the guy and the stories are true and blah 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 and so then it becomes this you know again this worshipful kind of thing and he kind of becomes their whatever their totem for for change or whatnot he actually brings hope to a lot of people yeah and so um by this time, we learned that Sezed, who is the terrorist that uh, was in charge of Vin. Mm-hmm. Um, I love him, by the way. Yeah, I love him, too. He's so he's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knows about Farrakimi. Farrakimi, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so what it does is, like, he can... It's, he's similar to a Mistborn, except for he can store some of these traits, like the uh, ability to see um, strength. And he stores them, and he even stores knowledge and um, history. We find out later that the Lord Ruler has actually um, been slaughtering anybody that can practice this art. Mm-hmm. So he's keeping it secret, like he's a ska, but really he's a ferrochemist. Well, they know he's a terrorist because they're yeah. a different breed or race, or I don't know, whatever they are. Yeah. They're just they're just different. Like they're they're um, you know their body structure is different. Like just everything about them is a little bit different from everybody else. And that, like you said, they can store those things. But like when Vin uses pewter and becomes super strong, she still looks like herself. She just has the weight of like, uh, you know, whatever behind her physics. Sazed's body actually changes. So he mm-hmm. can go like if he needs to see really well, you know, he stores that up and then he can see really well. 
um, or if he gets really strong, you know, he can bulk he out like the Hulk and brah, like big, huge, or he can be a teeny tiny man. But the downside to Farrakimi is that there's always a cost. So if you want to have super eyesight, you have to spend time with super weak eyesight because you're storing up the good stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to be a, store up a lot of strength, then you have to spend time being weak and puny and ailing. So same thing with yeah. health and knowledge and everything else. So, yeah, it was I mean, it was pretty interesting, this trade off. Mm-hmm. Um, you to find out, you know, you got a little bit of insight about it periodically through there. He's like, hey, you got enough strength for that? And he's like, no, I do not. Right. Like, I um, do not. Because, <laughs> you know, again, it has to be stored. And, you know, Vin requires a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, she's so, exhausting. Yeah. She's kind of an asshole, too. I mean, she's she's a little bit whiny at yeah, some point. I mean, but- she's at that age. Well, she is. And she's also basically alone through a lot of this. Like the crew kind of work together and they see each other often, but she's off with this manner. And they realize very shortly in that the guy who is portraying Lord Renu, her uncle, Mm -hmm. is not actually that guy. That guy's dead. This guy is a chondra. Mm -hmm. And a chondra is something that can, it's, it's, related to the mist wraiths, which is what everybody's terrified of and why they don't go out into the mists at night. But what the condor does, it has to eat the bones of whatever it is that he's taking on. Yeah. So this guy is like, and she doesn't really understand or know what the chondra is, but he's got a contract with uh, Kelsier. And so he's in service to Kelsier. But uh, yeah. so she, again, she's there with this guy who's like, I don't know. Not really a guy. So he's not somebody she spends much time with. So she just got Sazed. And um, and they spend a lot of time together. I really do like him. He's a good character. Yeah, he's a, he is a good character. We learn more about the Conjuring thing. So anyway, let's just jump to the Night of the Heist in general. Yes. Right? It actually turned out not to be so much of a heist. <laughs> um, it, what it actually turned out was that, hey, there is going to be another masculine of Ska. Yes. And, and so they're like, but this means that the Lord Ruler will come out and I'll, you know. He's going to come out and do it himself. But they don't, yeah. they don't, again, they don't know about these things ahead of time. It's just kind of when the crowd starts rolling to the square and it's mandatory, kind of like the Hunger Games where you have to go and watch these ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to be there. Um, yeah. They're watching and they realize that there's a carriage that's being pulled up. Or like a, not carriage, but like a, you know, like the prison wagon mm-hmm. or whatever. So yeah. the people who are going to be executed are in this wagon and they realize that it's their little tin eye guy and it's the guy, the Lord Renu. And there's a couple of people in there. And um, so obviously it's their people. It's people from their crew or people who are directly affected to their crew who are going to be killed because they were found out after they, you know, busted into Critic Shaw. Is that the name of the... Yeah, basically, everything is kind of in fast motion because they have to try and save them. Lord Ruler is going to be there. So they go in and they get rid of all the soothing stations. Mm -hmm. This is all in broad daylight. Yep. They go and while the prison van is going down, um, Kelsier actually goes and helps them escape. Yes. Uh, But that's about the time that the Lord Ruler shows up and the Steel Inquisitors show up. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so he goes down and tries to protect them. He's fighting people off right and left, and everyone is watching this because, again, Mm -hmm. everyone is there. So they are seeing the survivor of Hath-Sin who is fighting to protect Ska, or actually they think that, you know, they still think Lord Renew is a noble. So they're like, wow, they never murder nobles. What the fuck is happening here? Like, that's Mm -hmm. not a thing. And Ellen venture sees who's in the the carriage and thinks that vin or valette is there too so he actually goes screaming into the crowd trying to get to this because he he wants to save her he's Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't and all the nobles are like you know they're very the ones that are left at this point they're very discontent so it just it just gets crazy and this is when the lord ruler shows up and again you never I i guess they don't actually see him that much or if he's there he's like the emperor just like wearing a big hooded cloak. Yeah, or, that's the impression I got too. Yeah, or at least that's yeah, that's what I felt like. And um, so he shows up and he like whips off the cloak and he's like a young guy, which is weird because he's over a thousand years old and you expect him to be like more old white guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So this is young white guy. <laughs> and uh, so he fights Kelsier, which is a very short battle. I, well, Kelsier is also already fought and killed a steel inquisitor now it's very difficult cause, yeah because steel inquisitors are not human we don't really yeah. know what they are but they are more they are much more difficult to kill than just a normal obligator or random person yeah they're hard think to he fight had to completely decapitate him in order for him to die well that's the thing he killed him and they're like oh they can't yeah exactly so again sowing more doubt whatever and then the lord emperor kills Kelsier in front of everyone. And then he's like, look, see, I killed your hero. Ha ha ha. Now get back to being, you know, shitty or whatever. And so he rolls off like nothing happened. And, you know, Vin is distraught. And they also Everybody's- killed uh, uh, Renault or, you know, the. Yes, they killed uncle. Renew. Yeah. Wait, did they kill Renew at that point? Well, he's mortally wounded. And then that's when they say, it, you know, but oh, I don't know how his that's... species handles this. And Vin's like, what? All right, well, I'll dismiss that. And um... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they, they come back to that later. They're like, uh, how did you take because he shows up again, he shows up as Kelsier. Um, but yeah. they, they go back and they're all sad and whatever. And then they kind of find the in case of death break here kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they find out, hey, go to this address. And, you know, see what you can see. And so they go to this address and they open the door to this warehouse. And it's like stores and stores and stores of armor and weapons and, you know, all of the stuff that he's been slowly accumulating by robbing the the ships that come down the river and whatnot. So uh, they're like, oh, hey, they're like, yeah, but who's going to wield it? Our army's dead. And then they turn around because they hear all this like shouting in the streets and shit. And the ska are like burn the fucker down you know they're mad they are upset their their uh, savior has been murdered and this is not okay and we're gonna do what we have to do and yeah and so they're like well come on in here and get us get you a sword and so they, they just send this guy out to cause havoc and this is this is when the conjure comes back uh, mm-hmm. but he is wearing kelsier at this moment so that means he has eaten Kelsier's bones and taken on the form. And he tells her, my contract has transferred to you. So now I am in your service until such time as you die or whatever. And she's like, okay, that's fucked up. (laughs) That's weird. You're wearing Kelsier. Weird. 
Yeah. He, and he's only looking like Kelsier. You just said, you know, Kelsier told me that I needed to be seen mm-hmm. after I died. Yeah. And so, like, and then, again, the, the risen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now he's, you know, made himself into a, you know, a martyr for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, that totem that people can get behind and rally around. And this is yeah. the, this is the force. This is the binding, whatever. And so this is when Ven decides she's going to go kill the Lord Ruler. Just up and do it on her own because she's a misborn, damn it. She can do it. They have no idea how to kill this person. He's supposedly immortal. And she had found when she was there, or maybe it was this visit, because she was there once before. They tried to break into it, and bad news. Bad things happened. Um, But I think that's when they stole that book. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't give him a ton of data. The one that says it spends the whole thing trying to translate. Okay, so little backstory because it makes it makes a big difference later. They find a book. It's a journal, and they it is believed to be the journal of the hero who is who went on this journey to find the well of ascension and stop something that was a thing that was bad and he would take the power for himself. So they, they go through this whole thing and he's got this Pac-Man. It's a terrorist man that he just, the guy's a dick. He doesn't like noble people and he's just a jerk and blah, blah, blah. And, and they talk about this guy a lot, the Pac-Man yeah. and how much they're, they're not getting along and whatever it is. So she breaks into the Lord Ruler's palace, Critic Shaw or whatever it's called. And is caught like immediately and brought before the uh, brought before the Steel Inquisitors and the Lord Ruler, and basically, she, or no, 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 they come the Lord Ruler later. They go in front of the the Obligators and the Steel Inquisitors, and she's like, "Hey, yo, you see that head uh, Obligator over there? That's my dad." <laughs> They're like, "Uh." did you fuck a Scott and not murder her? And he's like, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a whole like in inner story where these, the obligators are trying to become the, the number one law enforcement thing. And there's, yeah, a they're power trying to struggle. take over internal and, bullshit politics. Yeah. And so they were like, Oh, let's go tell, let's go narc on this guy mm-hmm. uh, to the Lord ruler. And then maybe he'll make us more important than nobility. Yeah. So anyways, they, they beat her and throw her into jail. And then, uh, they throw this somebody else in the cell next to her. Pitiful, pitiful, super skinny, frail looking guy. Just they beat into a pulp. Can't even tell who it is by their face. And then everybody leaves. And all of a sudden it's Sazed because he has, you know, depleted all of his strength to be weak and that let him beat him up and all this stuff. And now he's the Hulk <laughs> breaks yeah. her out of jail. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of cool. That's that's when we really got to learn about... Um, that was neat. Farrah yeah. Kimmy, yeah. Learn yeah, more the, about fa- it. I mean, we knew a little bit about it because they tell you in pieces. Like, you know, mm-hmm. God forbid they just sit down and tell you everything that's going on because either it wouldn't be right. retained, or, but we learn it as we go on, just like we... Well, and they have do. to have... Because <laughs> they, they store it in the metals, but not like in their body. Like they have a ring, like a... Like a ring yeah. on their arm, and it's and it's pierced usually mm-hmm. through their skin so that it can't be controlled, extracted yeah. or controlled or taken from them. And so she goes before the Lord Ruler, and there's something because there's this thirteenth element or whatever that that yeah. 
uh, Kelsier is trying to find throughout the whole thing that he feels is the key to dealing with this. And she goes before the Lord Ruler, but it's not the super young guy that she saw at the at the murder. It's this really old, frail, again, now this is the, you know, after emperor kind of thing. <laughs> and again, he's he's gonna, oh, you'd be dead or whatever. But she's just seeing him. She's like, that's weird. And she tries burning that element because she's like, well, maybe I can just kill him, even though I'm standing in between these still inquisitors. Sure, that's a thing. And then, she, but then she sees like, the guy wandering around the room as the young guy. And she's like, what is this? Am I seeing a glimpse of the future, a glimpse of the past? Like, what am I? I don't understand what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. She tries to kill it. It doesn't yeah, do anything. That doesn't work. They, I don't know. It's, it's, do it's clearly a young version of the old man in front of her. Yeah. It's the one that they, she saw at the, yeah. you know, at the murder thing. And she's like, well, this is bizarre. What, what is, what does this dumb metal do? Like, it just shows me the past or the future. Like, I don't care. It shows me the future self. What? What what good is that? And she tries to kill that, like hit that thing, thinking maybe that's the answer yeah. and it's not the answer. So Yeah. Well the Steel Inquisitor, one of the Steel Inquisitors turned <laughs> around and killed another Steel Inquisitor. Yeah, and he did it by pulling the spikes out of the, his back. Because apparently there's a, sp- they there's have a those particular spikes. spike. Yeah, they have those yeah. spikes in their eyeballs, but they also have them going down their spine. And if you pull that central one out then they just drop. They're done. And she's like, what the fuck? And then she looks at the guy and she realizes that it's actually Marsh. Yeah. So Marsh did not die, but he was whatever process they do to make them into these things transformed into a steel inquisitor. Yeah. But he's still Marsh. He's not a bad guy. Yeah, he still has his, uh, you know, it didn't change his brain or, or anything like that. So he's still undercover. Yeah. Still the guy that he, that we all knew that he was. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's part of the thing is that you have to be dead. Yeah. Somehow. So, so now Vin and Marsh are fighting the Lord Ruler and he's just kind of flicking their things away like nothing. And Marsh somehow gets around behind him and tries to pull and pulls the spike out of him, but nothing happens. And they're like, oh, fuck. And then Marsh, they, we think, probably died again. You know, they throw him against a wall or whatever. And yeah. she's too busy to, to focus on him. And I don't know where Sazed went. He's somewhere. Yeah. Well, he we, may have at, gotten thrown out, too. I'm not sure. Yeah. At this point, she realizes that maybe the information she got from Sazed about them storing metals on their body. Um, well, she notices. Remember I said that the, mm-hmm. the Lord Ruler wears metal. To, and, and it's always thought that it's to flaunt his immortality, that nobody could hurt him. But she notices that this metal is actually, he has rings, like, implanted, like, pierced through his arm. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I shouldn't be able to influence those because they're, you know, they're in the body. But for some other reason, she was able to... Get a hold of those rings. I can't remember if it was physically or if she pulled them. She physically did it. I think she pulled them and ripped them out of his arm. And he just immediately, like, died. Yeah, it started aging. He he immediately turned into this really, really, really fucking old guy. And uh, was, like, laying on the floor and clearly no longer a threat of any kind. And that's when she realized that, oh, he's not the hero from the journal. He's the terraceman. Yeah. So that terraceman killed the hero, took the power from the Well of Ascension for himself, and 
to just he, became Lord Ruler. So he was yeah, used, using yeah, he, he was using Farrakimi to make himself young and old, and that's how he was staying alive for so yeah. many years. He wasn't immortal. He was just had these stores of you know great periods of being weak, so that he could be incredibly strong and young and whatever. So right in his dying breath, though, he said, "I saved this world." Yeah, uh, you're screwed a- against the deepness. Mm-hmm. And now there is nothing to protect you. Yep. And, and um, nobody knows what that means. They're like, all right. They're like, I know. They're like, she, he's like, I was here saving you and now you're fucked. So uh, she's like puzzling over that. She's like, that's weird. But she's also now feeling just weird in general because she's the one who's killed the Lord Ruler. So she becomes, you know, also an idol kind of like Kelsey, yeah. but not, not quite as strong, but still. And so... Because they have managed to destroy most of the other nobility, or they've all run themselves out of town because they were scared that they were going to be next after they, you know, killed all these noble people. Uh, the only one left is Ellen Venture, so they make him the king. That doesn't make any fucking I know, sense. I was like, um, what? It's like, okay, <laughs> so we got rid of all the slave owners, so yeah. let's throw a slave owner in as the thing. You know, I mean, sure, yeah, he read a couple books, mm-hmm. so he's not going to be like his dad at all. No, not um, even a little bit. He's like 22, this guy. I'm like, why are you, Why did you... The whole point was to throw overthrow the nobility and give the ska power, so why did we immediately make that the king? I, just, I know, it just... That, that kind of bothered me, um... And maybe it will play into like future things. Like maybe it wasn't the greatest idea, or maybe they needed somebody that was good at politicking or whatever, right. um, um, and understood the obligations and things. Now it did seem like he was a good person at that mm-hmm. point, but you know he could be a good person advisor or right. something. Um, there was plenty of people that could have been in place. Maybe a democracy. Who the fuck knows? But. Um, it just seemed wrong. Maybe he's just a temporary guy until they vote somebody in. I yeah. don't know. It doesn't seem like that was the case, though. Yeah, I or read the second book, so I know the answers, but I'm not going to tell you. So. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I also, um, com- you know, I told you earlier today that I was having weird memory problems. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's something I completely forgot that I read the book. <laughs> I was like, until until we were talking about something and it sparked a memory from that book. And I was like, did I actually finish it? Yeah, I did. I finished that whole book. Okay. Mm, totally forgot. Yeah, so. so next time I have 26 hours, I'll we'll be spending it on the second. Um, the second um, book I don't feel was as long as the first book. But that was the question I was going to ask is, now that you have read this and you got all the way through it and we have discussed it, do you feel like you'll move on and read the second book? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I definitely will. I mean, it will take a long time because it takes so long and I, I don't have the opportunities to listen to things like I used to do yeah. or, you know, sit down and read them like I used to do. Um, maybe I can sit down and read them. I don't know. I say that, but I, I generally don't. <laughs> well, you can just throw on some headphones and hide in your closet and, uh, you know, yeah. get away from your, your imposed roommate during the, <laughs> <laughs> during the quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I did like it. And I mean, I always like stories like this, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's, you know, overthrow oppression, things like that. So um, anyway, that's actually going to lead us up to one of our new, our upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. Hamilton. Yes, that'll be next week, right? Yes. Now plan. you need to watch it twice. You need to watch it the one time. Then yes. you need to watch it the time thereafter. Now it's, so. it's out and uh, as of the recording, it. but not as of the release of this podcast, I have not yet watched it. 
However, I will be watching it very, very soon. So, and twice. So I want to thank, you know, we'll get to Hamilton. Back to this book. (laughs) I want to thank Steve for giving us this. Again, this was a Patreon pick. He has been a Patreon subscriber with us for a while. And we've actually opened this up to our subscribers. So if you are one or would like to be one, you get to give us a topic that we will cover at some point. Um, I've already gotten some from uh, our friend Kitty. I've gotten some from uh, friend Brent. So there's there are more Patreon picks that are coming, but this one's the first one because it was a book club and we were ready for a new book. So thank you so much for having us read this, Steve. We really liked it. Uh, I listened to it twice because it was about six months between when I read it the first time and wanted to do this show. So I read it again. Totally great. Now, again, like I said, if you would like to give us a show topic, you can go to our Patreon page and subscribe, uh, patreon.com slash nerdy bitches. And if you sign up at our $2 level, that will get you into the Patreon pick selection. And then just uh, email us with your with your pick, what you want us to cover. And it doesn't have to be a book. doesn't have to be a movie. It can be whatever. So yeah, whatever can topic, be a topic you come up with, you know, send us a couple bucks and we'll talk about it. So... <laughs> But um, I actually have the internet comment for today, which is odd because it's usually you. But I found this, this, uh, it's actually a couple of things. So I'm going to read it um, because I saw it on Facebook. It's yesterday. like an entire Tumblr post. Yeah, so, pretty much. So, but so be ready. <laughs> it's really funny. And it's Golden Girls related, which has nothing to do with this show. But I saw it and I just died. And I figured since I put a post up kind of somewhat halfway trashing Batman last week that it was yeah, fair play not cool. that, that this is Golden Girls related. So I trashed myself too. It's fine. Okay. So this is from at Michael Harriet on, I'm assuming, Twitter. It says, this might be the most controversial thing I've ever tweeted, but it's time America faces the truth about a group of beloved historical figures. So here goes. Blanche, Dorothy, Rose, and Sophia, the Golden Girls, were actually members of an organized crime syndicate. Y'all probably think they were innocent widowers because that's what they want you to think. Nah, these women were gangsters. The Golden Girls debuted in 1985, right at the beginning of the crack crack cocaine epidemic. They moved there to, quote, push that weight. The muscle of the organization was provided by Rose, or as we called her, Ruthless Rose Nyland. Rose acted innocent and sweet, but she was not as dumb as she pretended. She claimed her husband died, but anyone with two eyes can see she killed her husband for the insurance money. First of all, who moves from St. Olaf, Minnesota to Miami to save money? No one, unless you have a plug for that Colombian nose candy. So she moves down there and meets Blanche the Butcher Devereaux, whose family made their money in the sex trade and dope game. Wait, y'all knew Blanche's daddy was a pimp, right? I mean, he wore a white (laughs) pimp suit, hat, even talked like a pimp. He said they owned a plantation outside of Atlanta where Blanche grew up, but it sounded more like they were selling and growing more than that. He had an unnatural relationship with Blanche that always bothered me, and his name was literally Big Daddy. (laughs) Bruh, that's a pimp. But in the mid-80s, Atlanta was getting blacker and blacker, so he sent Blanche down to Miami to move his crops. Where would Blanche meet people rich enough to spend that kind of money? 
How could she move that kind of weight in and out of the country? Do you remember Blanche's job? She was an art dealer. That's the perfect cover. First of all, people in Florida ain't buying art like that unless it's velvet. Secondly, <laughs> it's known fact that 72% of art dealers belong to a cartel. But they needed someone smart and tough enough to handle the day-to-day -day business. Dangerous Dorothy's Bornack. She was smart, tough, down on her luck, nothing to lose, and built like an outside linebacker who sometimes plays safety in a nickel defense. Dorothy didn't take no shit. She taught in inner-city New York schools during the 70s, so she spoke Spanish. Plus, her voice was so deep, the Colombian probably thought Luther Vandross or James Earl Jones was on the phone when she called them. <laughs> Now, of course, you need to respect, you, you need respect, a distribution network, and connections to let people know not to fuck with you. Sophia, she'll kill ya, Patrillo. Come on, fam. <laughs> don't tell me y'all can't see this. First of all, she was Sicilian, and she talked mad shit. Plus, have y'all ever wondered why her nursing home burned down right when everybody moved in? To keep the cops off their trail. It was a cover. Don't forget, Golden Girls debuted one year after Miami Vice. So while Crockett and Tubbs were locking people up, the Golden Girls were quiet, quietly running an international drug ring. It's all right there if you open your third eye. Here's the final clue. Do you know how much money a person must have to assure people that if they threw a party and invited everyone they knew, they'd still be sure that the biggest gift would be from them? <laughs> they even know what the card attached would say. But notice, they never say what's inside the gift. Cocaine, bruh. Pure <laughs> cocaine. Thank you for being a friend. Well, there All you the go. <laughs> Again, long. Sorry about that, but I thought it was funny. So, yeah. You got anything right. else for us this week? Our no. recommendation is to watch Hamilton because yes. next week we're going to be talking about Hamilton. So yep. go get on Disney+. Plus. If you don't have Disney+, Plus, um, and you're in quarantine, get it. I don't know. They actually, you noticed that last week they, an they ended the free trial yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> for Disney Plus that's been going for like six, seven months. I know. But like if you just pay for one month, mm -hmm. you can get all of the Mandalorian. You can get oh, yeah. uh, the Hamilton. And, and the you world can, according to Jeff Goldblum. I'm yeah, not kidding, y'all. That. that show is awesome. Yeah. You can binge that, catch up on all of your classic um, mm -hmm. Disney, uh, uh, Frozen 2, Onward, they're both on there. And then, um, and then all just the Star cancel. Wars movies are on there. All the Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's good. We are not getting a kickback from Disney Plus. So maybe we should see if they have an affiliate program. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> So if you want some uh, Nerdy Bitches merch, we have a new merch store. I think I told you guys about last week, but I'll tell you again. So you can go on our store. It is nerdybitches.com slash store. And we have our own designs. So our sh our logos and things like that um, for men and women. We have t-shirts and mugs and tote bags and pretty much face masks, anything you can think of. Uh, it's right there on there. We've also brought in some other artist work into our store so you can buy those cool things as well and help support other indie artists. We think that's an amazing thing. So go check it out. And if you do buy some merch, make sure you take a picture of yourself with it or wearing it or whatever it is and uh, send us out on social media so that we can give you some lovely shouts. Sounds good. All right. So I guess that's all we have this week and we will see you guys next time.
music provided by www.bensound.com. And please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. Which, you know, is a load of bullshit.